When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The world of work has changed dramatically and organizations are evolving. A full or part-time MBA from UCD Smurfett School equips managers to react at pace and deliver change. Now is the time to transform your career and gain a new business network. Join our virtual MBA experience day on Saturday, November 20th. Register at smurfettschoolie forward slash events. UCD Michael Smurfett Graduate Business School. Developing impactful business leaders. Welcome everybody to Blood and Mud, the podcast that doesn't think brutality means what Eddie Jones thinks it means. <laughs> It was brutal though, wasn't it? There was some brutality about it, yes, but uh, we'll, we'll no doubt talk about that later on. I'm Lee, and over there... I'm with, Josh. Still, with a grin on his still. face, it must be said, is... I mean, this has been the ultimate banter weekend for me, so, you know. <laughs> ultimate banter weekend. I'm going to ignore <laughs> that you said that, because I don't want to hate you, so... Uh... <laughs> I mean, it's been a weekend of, of absolutely thermonuclear takes from absolutely everybody being high on emotional E-numbers, hasn't it? And, and to be honest, that's, I for that's one... part of why I've enjoyed it so much. <laughs> I, for one, bloody love it. I love it when yeah. people go completely fucking unspooled five yeah. minutes after the game's <laughs> finished. Absolutely just throwing all of the nonsense around. And I mean, we've all been there to a greater or less there. degree. And Twitter doesn't help, does it? Because it's just like shouting in a pub, but on a... <laughs> Thing, which is why people need to take that for what it is. Stop pretending that it's an analysis of the game you need to take seriously. It's somebody just very quickly expressing their feeling at that moment. Well, exactly. This is the like it is not, and well, you know, people talking about things on Twitter, unless it's fucking Alex Shaw giving you a seventeen tweet fucking analysis of England's next, yeah. you know, generation. No, no, or you know, Murray Kinsella doing yeah. things with screen grabs. None of this is considered. No. None of this is thought through. None of this means anything. It is the equivalent of shouting at a television in a pub. And it, <laughs> yes, I, yeah. I honestly feel like if everyone treated Twitter a lot more like that, it would be a much less fucking shit place. It would. 
Just understand it for what it is. You'll say things you regret, just like yeah. you do when you're four pints deep and somebody yeah. knocks on. Yeah. In a promising position. It's, That's just it's, it's life. Yeah. It's it's part of the it's part of the wonderful gamut of social media that is awful. But you know, <laughs> it's it's we all need to take things a little bit less seriously, I think. Speaking of social media, you can get in touch with me on Twitter at Blood and Mud. Send all your thermonuclear takes to me. I won't judge you. Um, <laughs> and I'm also Lee at bloodandmud.com if you want to write a bit more, you know, more of a mm. considered piece. What about you, Josh? Yeah. Uh, I only want the 240 characters thermonuclear takes. So, uh, yeah, at Josh Gardner is uh, is me. We are on Acast and on iTunes and all the places you can find podcasts from. We're also on patreon.com slash bloodandmud. Thank you very much to everybody who offers their support there. There's been Indeed. a few, few people who've come into the VIP lounge because obviously you can just Ooh. do the $2 a month and that'll get you all kinds of stuff. But the people who get into the VIP lounge get a special mention as being... Damn well, right special there. mention for being the greatest human beings who walk this earth, really. Um, I mean, basically, yeah. So in the VIP, we've got Adam Ab- Adam. So good they named him twice. He's upped okay. his... He's decided of loitering in the non-VIP, but it's not enough, and he's upped his... To the VIP. Thank you very much, Adam Adam. Also, we've got Martin, who didn't give his full name, but he's given a silly amount of money. He's gone above the minimum required to get in the VIP lounge. What? You don't get anything extra, I mean, Martin. Honestly, there's no extra I, drinks. There's I mean, no limoncello, just, nothing like that. I mean, it's one thing that I've wondered, right? What's what's appropriate What's appropriate attire for the VIP area? You know, because it's... Well, it's a very 90s place, so I would say... A burnt orange shirt, <laughs> colour. Um, yeah, yeah. Cream Levi's. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, slip-on kickers. I mean, that sounds absolutely bang on. See, now what I was actually subtly doing there is that I've got to go to a a, a very prominent awards sh- a music awards show next week. Have you? And I haven't got. I haven't got a fucking clue. What the fuck I'm going to wear? I was hoping that you would, on the low key, give me some sort of suggestion, <laughs> and that has not helped whatsoever. Although the '90s is back, so you know the '90s is hugely back. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I should just wear some slip-on kickers and see what happens. So I'm, I mean, I'm assuming this is the award show that begins with a burr. Yeah. Uh, no, thank oh. fuck no. I'm not going to that oh, one. Oh, okay. No, I'm, that's the problem. If I was going to the Brit Awards, everyone just wears a fucking suit for that. Right, it's easy. I'm going to another awards show that is. You mean very dramatic. coy about it? Is it special? Well, you know, I don't want this. Not special. I just don't want to sort of float my business. I'm going to the fucking Enemy Awards. All right. All right. Okay. Like, yeah, but oh, like, come on, Enemy Awards. Did fucking love you dressing up like the nineties. Well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's why I'm in in a in a place of total like sartorial fucking wasteland because I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to look like. I was supposed to look cool, and I've stopped doing that about fucking 20 years ago. So, yeah, <laughs> fuck those. I never look cool. Like, I'm, so, I'm probably so, just going to dress like I'm out of Miami Vice and see what happens. Go for it. Anybody who wants to suggest Josh what he should wear Gen- at the NME Awards, genuinely, genuinely will, he's will, at will, Josh Gardner on Please, Twitter. serious suggestions, because I ain't got a fucking clue. I can't just wear, apparently I can't just wear what I wear to work every day, which is a fucking plaid shirt and some black jeans. You see, I thought that'd have been fine for the NME. Come on, fuck! Exactly. What's happened to the NME that they don't no, they no. won't accept check shirts and jeans these days? It's too trendy. Jeez, it's not trendy bastards. enough. I don't know. I don't. This is the problem. I don't know. I think I'm you should messed. dress like 
a, a mixture yeah. of um, dressed like Kasabian, put all of their look together. <laughs> Do you know what? I've I've been looking at what people wore to the last NME Awards to provide some sort of inspiration. Don't look at and... Kasabian because it will make you no. enraged. <laughs> The one of the guys from Kasabian, I can't even remember which one it is. The one who looks like he's, you know, he's got a bucket on his head. Um, again, it's not narrowed it down there. Yes. Um, literally wore, you know how like Adidas, like vintage Adidas stuff is kind of cool, right? Yes, absolutely. He literally, just wore something directly out of the 2018, like a white Adidas team wear, like full length, wind, like big thick coat. Yes. And like not like a retro nineties one, like a straight out of the twenty nineteen fucking Adidas teamwork catalogue and some skin tight camouflage leggings. And I'm not gonna look as bad as that. I so saw I him once, he had skinny up. black jeans on and a very skinny black t shirt with black tie written on in white writing. <laughs> I mean Can I you see what he's done that. there? What I respect that more than a giant Adidas fucking Parker. You see what he's done there? What he's done is made me want to windpipe him. That's what he's done there. <laughs> now he's subverted all your expectations. That's what he's done he's there. Not, yeah. Well, no, I expected him to be a twat. That's exactly what he's done. So I don't, I don't, I don't see how that's worked at all. Do you know what? I've just weirdly, I've just googled Kasabian, and it's the third. In fact, he did that at the NME Awards. It's the third. Is that the black tie one? Yeah, and, and his mate, the singer, who's got the most punchable face in the Western world, has got this horrendous double-breasted long coat on. From yeah, green long coat with black with dark green lapels. Yeah, that is an absolute cock. The other two people in that band, I just thought, like, look, we're making a fucking effort here. You know, yeah. we're trying. We're at the Baftas. We're gonna have a good. You know, we're at least gonna look decent. No. So as you can see, everyone, Josh is struggling. So you know, reach out to him. Big star, Be a friend. Honestly. Give me, give me your fashion advice. Friends Something. don't let friends I dress mean, badly at award shows. So No, I mean, it's, it's going to go badly. I'm just going to wear what I normally wear, and then I'm, they're probably going to assume that I'm just there to work. Which <laughs> Can you move fair, this amp I, for us? Which, to be fair, I am. Yes, um, <laughs> anyway, anyway, moving rugby. on. Rugby. Yeah. So I didn't get to the I didn't even get to the end of the VIP. So basically, no, Martin's giving us a silly amount of money. Thank you, Martin. Right. Yeah, thank you, Martin. James has also upped his minimum contribution oh, from what well, he's from from the normal lounge to the vip lounge the other the other brew lounge and finally johnny ball has joined the vip the as johnny well ball. well I, I really hope so because he thought of a number and it was a number he was willing to pay to get in the vip lounge and i <laughs> i for one i'm very thankful johnny so thank you shall we have a player spotted absolutely we should i don't know how many um rugby podcasts have a American resident woman of Bosnian Herzegovinian extraction who listen All of them, I would imagine. and yeah. write in. Because we've got one, and it's our lovely friend Amra Mukic. Hi there. She writes in, and she reaches out on the Patreon messaging, and she says, hello, exclamation mark. She's very excited. She says, I'm proud to say that I've got a non-bath-related player spotted for the pod this week. No, not acceptable, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she says, a couple of months ago, Irish rugby legend Willie John McBride came round my place of employment with his children's rugby charity. I mean, this already sounds great. Yeah, he says, I was honoured to not only make him laugh, but to watch a six foot four Willie John McBride look at my line manager in the eye and call him a nice little Welshman. 
And here's the killer, I mean, Josh. Here's the killer. Here's the mystery, yeah. right? Amra finishes with, Josh also happens to know my line manager. So I hope he gets a kick out of that as well. I mean... I'm beginning to think that Amra doesn't live in America anymore. I'd like to know who her line manager is. <laughs> Amra, I mean, write to Josh and tell him who your line manager yeah, is. And yeah, tell him tell what he should wear is. to an award show at the same time, please. <laughs> please, honestly. Maybe the VIPs get... Each VIP gets to pick one item of clothing that I'm wearing to the <laughs> NME Awards next year. And ultimately, I'm not going to look less of a twat. You end up looking like Paul Williams. So. <laughs> I'd love to... Honestly... Paul Williams will absolutely fuck would absolutely Actually, fucking yeah. nail the enemy. Why were you asking me this? Who sat in an yeah. I love NY hoodie covered in dust from doing <laughs> from doing some DIY when you could be writing to our friend Paul Williams about this? Look, look, I'm getting fucking desperate here, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, so anyway. thank you very much for that, Amra. Yes. That was yes. lovely. So Josh is now intrigued. He's gonna struggle I mean, to pay I, attention for the rest of this pod. Absolutely. Be... I'm just gonna be wondering who I know. Who's met Willie John McBride and hasn't told me, frankly. Yes. So if you want to get in touch with the play spotted, you can do it. You can DM it to me on Twitter. You can send it leeatbloodandmud.com. Thank you very much, Amra. And thank you, everybody who contributes. Should no, we start? I know who it is. Never mind. Do uh, you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> How? How did you do Let's not get into it. I'm just, right. Yeah, that's not. So anyway, right then, news-wise, we do some news before we talk about what happened this weekend. Yeah, quite, quite a lot of news today. I'm definitely Most not avoiding it. Um, no, no, no. News. Uh, Gary Ringrose, he be injured. Yes. Um, For two games. Lots of people be, lots of people be injured. It's actually, like I'm, I'm not sort of trying to, you know, question his, his hardness or anything, but it's actually quite rare that a rugby player will go down for that long with a broken finger, so it must be pretty badly broken. Mm. He must have like splintered usually, it. Yeah, because usually they'll tape that bad boy up oh, yeah. and just get on with it. So, yeah, it must be a pretty nasty break. Fair play. Remember the early 90s when they used to tape the two middle fingers together? Will Carling Absolutely, was a two middle finger together tape yeah. man, wasn't he? I don't know why. Still is to it, this day, is, I don't know why. Is it to stop them getting, like... Like stingers? Yeah. But then you'd think that know, they'd tape it up Vulcan style to stop the little finger getting ripped, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would at that. Hmm. If anybody out then there maybe, knows, maybe any you physios need the index out there? Finger. Maybe you need the index finger for and for eye gouging. Because, it was the early nineties. Yeah, for yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've got to get one in each eye. Or you could automatically do rock horns as you're running a trying, <laughs> Bell and Armitage style. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He wasn't gonna. He wasn't gonna be denied that opportunity. Because <laughs> you know, nothing says rock horns like uh, Will Carlin, does he? <laughs> he's, he's probably the most rock and roll man I've ever heard of, to be honest. Today, um, Gary Ingrose is injured, broken finger. We'll see what happens there. So that, yes. does that mean they're going for the full boom-boom centre partnership? Uh, I think they're going to have to, aren't they? It's going to be Henshaw, Aki, um, which is, is, you know, I mean, there's not a great deal of subtlety there. But uh, Who needs subtlety when you're trampling people under your feet? <laughs> <laughs> well, indeed, especially given, you know, that we don't know who's going to be playing in the centre for Wales next week. So it could be a... A very small man. Who knows? Well, he's not very small. He just seems very small compared to everyone else. More on that later. More Um, on that later. Moving on in the news, speaking of selections and non-selections, Finn Russell is not in the 37-man squad for next week's Calcutta Cup. He is still persona non grata and not welcome in the Townsend Manor anytime soon. I mean, it's, it's getting a bit out of hand now, isn't it? Like... This has gone from sort of 
something that was quite bad and embarrassing, but ultimately should be swept under the carpet as soon as possible, to something that's going to turn into Scotland not having their best player for an extended period of time, which, I mean, it's it's yeah. According good, to Tom, it? according to Tom English, who was on Twitter, he was yeah. saying that the inside track is is that Russell can't come back till he apologises, and even <laughs> then he's probably going to be on the bench. And I would imagine that Finn Russell is not of a mind to apologise to a coach that he clearly doesn't respect, <laughs> or a union that sacked his dad without cause and then refused to apologise for it, even when they were found guilty of doing it without cause. I don't, mm. <laughs> I don't, I don't see there being a lot of, you know, him feeling particularly generous with that. And so, who knows when this will end? I think that there's going to have to be a lot of work done in the two week gap after this weekend. But uh... fuck in mess is what it is. Um, speaking of things that are a fucking mess, <laughs> uh, there will be no uh, Nathan Hughes, Alex Dombrant, or uh, Sam Simmons playing for England next weekend. Uh, which, I mean, of course... There's nothing all, about like, this weekend that suggests we needed a number eight. Absolutely. <laughs> no, as somebody who's at least played the position before. No. Nah, overrated. No need for any of that. No. Anyway. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Chris Robshaw is leaving Harlequins after 16 years and being very yes. cryptic about where he's going next. Yeah, he's not retiring, but he's not staying at Harlequins. Which usually means Bristol these days. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, he's off to play rugby league for Wakefield. Yeah, he's not. I mean, he's. Can you imagine a less suited person to go north and play rugby? <laughs> well, I mean, to be honest, he's got enough heft than... and enough graft to do it. But it physically, seem like his scene. It's, it's a pure culture thing. Yes. That I think you might struggle with. I mean, we have a pop at Chris Robshaw here for looking like he's got all the Lighthouse Family Limited Edition albums, which he massively has. Yes, absolutely. But. Yes. I mean, what a player he has been. A fantastic player, and to be, let's be honest, a very underrated player. And continues to be, because he's probably going to play yeah. next year as well, but it's a time to reflect, yes. A fantastic six. One, uh, a genuinely, like, you know, one of the better sixes in the world in his absolute pomp. Yes, he was, problem yeah. Was, problem was, he was never really a very good seven, and that's where England kept playing him for a very long time. Hmm. Um how he must wish that Sam Underhill or Tom Curry had appeared about <laughs> yes, five years quite, previously. Because, yeah. let me tell you, they could, he could have, his career could have looked very different on reflection. As have, far as yeah, so have, yeah, and there'd have been no James Haskell. Yeah. Because you'd have had Underhill at seven, him at six. Wins. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can, oh, sorry, um, yeah, I, I drifted I away there into a happy place. I do apologise. Yeah. Just thinking about it. I've just gone crashing back to uh, work. Yeah, so we'll see where, where, where Rob Shaw goes next. I wonder if... I like this trend that's currently going on of players who are slightly past their prime or on the fringes of doing anything internationally, just going and playing Super Rugby for a couple of years. Mm. I say, just do that. Why not? I think Chris Rob Shaw would be quite good. We're a South African team in Super Rugby. Why not? Or a bit of France. I think he'd prefer that than playing against Quinns, I think, wouldn't he? Yeah, no, no, exactly. I think, I think, like, as much as I joke about Bristol, I think if he's leaving Quinns, it's to probably have a taste of something new and something different. And, uh, yeah, good luck to him. Indeed. Top player. Top, a very nice fella, by all accounts. Yeah, uh, yeah, genuinely a nice bloke. 2015 World Cup, and he was genuinely a really nice man. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, that's right. <laughs> 
Just before we start recording, I got an email from Premier Rugby. Premier yeah. Rugby Limited, those of the magnificently run organisation. <laughs> you may know us from ha- from a magnificently run organisation. What's the what's the Marx Brothers joke? I've had a magnificently wonderful run organisation. Unfortunately, this wasn't it. Yes, but uh, <laughs> they're doing a review of the salary cap regulations. Lord Miners is coming oh, in yes. to do it, um, and they want to hear what we reckon. Not not me and you, the public. They haven't written to us specifically. It'd be great if they'd written to us specifically and said, we're really interested in seeing what you think we should do with the salary cap. A lot of respect for the way you talk about things, lads. So can you please give us a... I mean, yeah. You know, why not? I think I feel like we'd give some good good feedback. Uh, It'd be honest. Yeah, be blunt. There'd be some, some hard truths told. So the basic, weirdly, the, the sort of, the thrust of it is that we want to make sure nobody can fuck about with it again. Is, yeah. is the line that runs through it all? Which good fucking luck with that, pal. Yeah. But I honestly asking, asking people, you know, asking the public, this is going to be fucking Boaty McBoatface all over again, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, the aim of further strength... Here we go. Premiership Rugby's appointed Lord Miners CBE to read it, to lead a comprehensive review of the salary regulations with the aim of further strengthening them to ensure that Premiership Rugby has a world-leading regulatory system in terms of investigatory powers and robust sanctions. The terms of well, reference I mean... can be read here. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Um, all the Premiership clubs have an opportunity to participate fully. Of course, they have an opportunity to participate fully because they run the fucking company. Yeah, it's this your is the problem. Company, Do you not understand where the problem is? Yeah, maybe you want to get a little bit of independence and maybe appoint an executive be... board that's fuck all to do with all the clubs <laughs> and let them make the decisions instead of you boys making in all the decisions in for your own self interest. It's just. Yeah. But anyway, just... they want to know what we reckon. So go on the Premiership yeah. Rugby that. website, click on Lord Miner's report and get them told. Yeah, you fucking tell them. You everybody. tell them what you reckon. Both barrels. Give it to them. Um, any, any more news? I haven't got any more. No, no, I think that's it for the news for me. Black Tag Sale, now on at Curry's PC World. Upgrade your kitchen this Christmas with amazing deals across our huge range of kitchen appliances, including washing machines, cookers, and fridge freezers. Refresh the look of your kitchen with a new kettle and toaster set, or upgrade your home brewing experience with a new coffee machine. Get in store or online at curries.ie. The world of work has changed dramatically, and organizations are evolving. A full or part-time MBA from UCD Smurfett School equips managers to react at pace and deliver change. Now is the time to transform your career and gain a new business network. Join our virtual MBA Experience Day on Saturday, November 20th. Register at smurfettschoolie forward slash events. UCD Michael Smurfett Graduate Business School. Developing impactful business leaders. Okie doke then. Shall we talk about the weekend then? The Six Nations is here. Did you enjoy it, Josh? Did you enjoy the leaving aside your obvious, obviously fucking delight on Sunday? (laughs) What? um, (laughs) Listen to that fucking laugh, bastard. Anyway, so uh, but did Uh, you enjoy the weekend's rugby? I genuinely thought it was a like Wales Italy aside, which was to be honest with you quite boring and shit. Um, It was on up to about fifty minutes, I think. 
Yeah. But, but I thought it was a good weekend. That, good weekend, I thought. It was I a thought. really good weekend. Like, I thought Ireland-Scotland was excellent. France-England was excellent. And as you say, even the first sort of 40, 50 minutes of Wales, Italy was all right. It was, yeah, it's nice to have it back, I'd say. Very nice to have it back, yeah. Um, France, do, you want to, do you want to do France-England first? We get this out of the way. Uh, if you want, yeah. Um, I would say... The main thing that I sort of... And it's not really something that I've learned, but it's something that we've said over and over again is that you take a couple of England's big ball carriers away and they are unbelievably impotent on attack. Like, like obviously, losing Billy and losing Mako's big losses, but, like, it shows that they, to, for Eddie's game plan to work, they basically need about 17 big ball carriers because... You know, they still had Sinclair, they still had Jamie George, they still had Manu, they still had Courtney Laws, you know. It was not a team shorn of big, imposing ball carriers compared to most teams. We were shorn of Manu, we were, we were shorn of Manu quite early. He had a couple of decent carries early on and then yeah, obviously yeah. had to go off. Who, well, he I don't, he, straight off the field. You he know, blatantly wasn't fit, by the way, was he? No. <laughs> Fucking hell, was he not fit? No. And, it's just, and was it just it's me very, that thought that Atoji... Yeah. Looked completely out of sorts, body language wise, his face, everything. He looked in a complete a, funk the whole way through it. I think he is, frankly, a player that responds to adversity in an incredibly unhelpful way. In that he seems to be like, unless everything's going their way, he turns into a right fucking cry ass about everything. And just start, starts cheating and being a dickhead for the sake of it. In a very like, obvious manner. That's the other in thing. a very obvious manner. Some of his the penalties that even things that he wasn't getting called for. I'm amazed he didn't like, get called for more. Actually, there were at least a couple yeah. of occasions where he was stood quite a long way offside quite and flapping clearly at the ball. offside yeah. by about a good foot. And yeah, he just had the look of a man that was got really like as soon as France scored that try, he had the look of a man that was just like, "Oh fuck you then." for the entire rest of the game and didn't really seem to care about what else was going on. He was just determined to kind of be a bit of a spoiler about things. And I didn't think it was very helpful to England, to be honest, for him to kind of decide to lone wolf it like that. Not that he was playing badly in himself, but he was quite... He played better in the second half. From... He pulled it back yeah. in the second half, I think. But at the um, your point about the carriage is a good one because what we've seen now is two games of England going backwards. When prior, mm. The World Cup prior to that, they went forwards most of the time. And there is a significant problem. I know it's any team has a problem going backwards. True. It's not It's not easy to play the game going backwards. But England seem to have a complete fucking... All their brains seem to turn to angel delight as soon as they go backwards. It's remarkable how badly... Just how bad... Th- you know, things can just go from okay to terrible very very easily with this England team basically if they don't score in the first five minutes it's that's what the evidence would suggest isn't it yeah yeah if you can keep them out for like the first if you can stop them scoring first effectively then there's a huge psychological fucking problem there with them and they just do not seem to have the fucking wherewithal and the minerals to actually sort of think their way out of if plan A isn't going to isn't sort of going on schedule. And the number of times that it's happened, you know, not that England have been a bad team over the last couple of years, but, you know, they've had quite a few fucking 
fairly harrowing turnarounds in under Eddie Jones in the last two years. You know, and with only a lot of huge, brilliant performances as well. But I don't. I feel like they're not learning <laughs> when they lose games. Why well, people are pointing them. at how terrible the the, the the selection was by Jones. Weirdly, I don't think that many people were saying that before the game. Some were. I'm not saying. I don't think it was that horrendous a team. I, no. I know Furbank was a bit of a gamble, but he's been playing okay. He he wasn't the reason it all went to shit. And no. I, and and the, this thing about not having an eight, I think they thought there'd be enough carrying. Nobody expected Manu to get injured. No, Laws was obviously carrying a bit more than he normally does. Itoji's a pretty decent carrier. Jamie George is a good carrier. All of the yeah. all of the people Carl who were Singh meant was to a plug great carrier. Yeah, anybody who's meant to yeah anybody everyone who's meant to plug the gap didn't do it. France came out like fucking psycho bonanza, basically, <laughs> and then. When they went down really early, either they didn't know how to recalibrate your plan A point, or when they did, the kicking was fucking abysmal. It was. It, it was. was too, it was overcooked. It was too to long. It was absolute peak Ben Young. Oh, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't awful. Absolute capped, capped off by that glorious just throwing the ball forward and into touch yeah. moment, which I've I've seen him do a lot now. Like I feel like I've seen that him do that thing a lot of just aimlessly throwing the ball into touch. I said in the in when the squad was announced that it was when you were away and I was on with Rihanna and Rihanna's very anti Ben Youngs, as we both are. But I said, but hang on a minute, I'm not sure there's anybody who's putting their hand up strongly enough, Fuck even no. with all his faults, to actually displace his experience. And then you remember that even with all his experience, when things aren't going well, that's his reaction to it. I'll just fucking force something stupid here. Or I'll just do the most horrific fucking kicking game you've ever seen. But the thing that sort of I couldn't get over was England had three or four periods where they were attacking literally from about six inches out. (laughs) And they probably went through in total, you know, and this is totally made up, but it feels like over the course of the game, they probably had about 50 phases that started from about the three-inch line, should such a thing exist. Yeah. And they got a big, fat zero tries out of that. There were two occasions in one attack. They got three points, three points in the entire game, and that came in the 82nd minute. There were two occasions in one attack, I think it was in the first half. And on two they were doing that inch into the line thing, and on two occasions they sucked all of France in and had like four on two, three on one outside. Hmm. And Youngs didn't take the option to put it out there. And it nope. happened twice in one attack. Willie Hines did something similar as well. He decided to pick and he, later on when he'd come on, he decided when he forever. got the ball punched out of his hand. Yeah. Um, and that brings us onto the thing that we that I learned about. If you didn't know already, Sean Edwards is quite a good rugby coach. Knows what he's fucking doing, that guy, doesn't he? Like, people, you know, I think we probably asked, like, you know, France were not a bad defensive team last year. No, they were okay. You know, yeah. they yeah. were, they've been decent well, for some time. You know, what was Sean Edwards really to sort of bring to fucking shitloads, mate, is the reality. Like, and it's also, you start it, to think, I mean, obviously, he's got a lot of drills and techniques and, and patterns, but there's something about people like him, and he's not the only one, who obviously come in and go, this is what I expect, and you are going to do it. Yeah. And everyone goes, oh, fuck, we better do that then. 
And it's, it's almost as simple as that. Going through this week, he's going to be going through this morning with Sean Edwards after yes. the absolute fucking rancid stench of what he did for Johnny May's second try. Yes. Like, but the, yeah, the reality, he is, you know, an inspirational character. And like in the pants, past French defenses have been good at like hitting really fucking hard and being really aggressive. But they weren't doing like they were hitting hard. They were hitting with psychotic intensity at sometimes, but it it didn't have that sort of feel that they were going for the like glamour hits anymore. Mm. It was just put. It on was a the best scramble floor. I've seen from them for a very long time. Oh, that was the difference. Yeah. They were so disciplined, with the exception of some, you know, like they did a fantastic job of just stopping England at the source and disrupting the halfbacks. And unlike France teams of yore, like when it came to the kicking game. And when it came to sort of uh, the wide channels, they weren't exposed very often. I say very often because fuck me sideways, those two Johnny Way tries were an absolute rancid disgrace of <laughs> bad tackling, poor effort and shit. Well, like, to be fair, honest, his first one, he was running around a prop. To, and he is pretty, he he is pretty rapid. There was, there was still some cover to be had there that was absolutely not forthcoming. <laughs> well, you don't, you don't get an entire... To Mac Vakatawa, yeah. honestly, the effort was atrocious. And that was like... Oh, we've wound back to France of twelve months ago, where they suddenly were just like, "Wow, well, you know, we'll just do whatever." But that will not happen next week. Did you see, Sean did you see will Sean be... Edwards when they won, and he stood up and and like pumped both his fists while biting his bottom lip? I loved it. <laughs> he had an interview before the game on BBC with Dave Woods, the rugby league commentator, because obviously they probably go back a few years. A brilliant interview. Brilliant interview. And he says that in 1995, it was his mum that told him about learning how to coach rugby union. <laughs> he said, he's, he's, he said, my mum told me, you better learn rugby union now. He said, what, your mum told you that? And he, and he said, because it's called professional. And he, and, he, and he said, oh, so your mum told you that? And he completely deadpan. He just went, she's a very bright woman, my mother. <laughs> and, that was, and that was the end of it. No follow-up questions. Boof, that's the end of it. But yeah, he was... Um, yeah, it was it was a really good interview if you haven't seen it, and also that thing him being sat there, bald of pay to the massive red cockerel on his chest. Just I don't know, he just looks great. <laughs> I know he looks like he's genuinely enjoying it, and good for him. And, and like it's an unbelievable. Like England fans are rightly saying, "Why the fuck didn't we break the bank to keep him?" It wasn't even and that much money. Apparently, it's the fact that they no. offered him a four and a half year contract. That yeah, was the difference. Equally, equally, the WRU should be looking at that and going, "We fucked up there." Yeah. Because he he is a man that has earned the right to sort of basically say how long he'd like a contract for and how much he'd like it to be for because he's that good. But the scramble, the, the scramble we've already mentioned, but the, the, what was obvious was the coordinated blitz, which they haven't done yeah, at all. No. And that's pure Wales. It, and know, and that's Edwards 101, isn't it? Yeah, it right. was purely, it, pure Wales for the last 11 years. It yeah. was like watching that. Day one, we blitz. And, Session two, yeah. we blitz. Session three, we work on the blitz. This is this is it for the next <laughs> six months, lads. Yeah, yeah, and that's I think is the other thing is like you know France very nearly like fucked that up, and they drifted offside yeah. quite a bit because they were, and actually, yeah. but in a way because they were almost too eager, which kind of speaks yeah. to his again but, to, to what he brought to them. Well, the reason you know. Gatland always made a point of saying that Wales were the fittest team in the world and they went to their fucking training camps and they did their crazy fucking altitude shit and people sort of often kind of poo-pooed that as just, you know, fitness for fitness's sake 
instead of doing inverted commas rugby work, etc. But the reality is, fitness, if, yeah, yeah. But the reality is, if you want to defend the way that Sean Edwards demands you defend for eighty minutes, you have got to be hysterically fit. And France demonstrably aren't yet. No. Because they got to 65 minutes and they were fucked. Like, they kept, they, they, you know, they kept to their task, but the line speed absolutely went to shit, in the, particularly in the last 10 minutes. And they were, they were still, England were knackered as well by this point, so it didn't have the sort of damaging effect that it could have done. And they were basically running on fucking adrenaline and desperation. But... You compared to a sort of looking at like a seasoned Wales team defending in that manner in the last ten minutes, there it was a lot more ragged and a lot more harem scarum. And I think that's what is gonna be the the difference between this French team being Wales defence level good and where they were on the weekend good. I mean, let's be honest, he's had five sessions with them. Exactly, and that'll come. Give him until you know, give him till the twenty twenty three World Cup and that's that's are we giving? Are we not giving enough credit to Fabian Galtier here? Well, that's the thing. I think he's he's brought this all together, hasn't he? He's got Edwards. He's. I mean, fuck me. He looks like he's got the wrong bloody line out and set piece, coach. But like, <laughs> it was fucking unbelievable. <laughs> Honestly, fucking yeah. unbelievably bad. But everything else was very good. And you know, this France team doesn't need coaching in uh, from an attacking point of view. They know what they're doing there. If you just let them express themselves within a sort of loose framework, good things are going to happen. But the other stuff is what needs fixing. And the defence is there. If the set piece can get there as well, look I out. Mean, look the fuck out. There's much chat this now. Owen Farrell didn't play well at no, all. Didn't. George Ford didn't play that well, but he played better than Owen Farrell. Um, yeah. Lots of talk is about how Farrell is a, you know, he's not a 12. Again, hot takes. He's not 12, he should be playing 10, all that kind of stuff. Do you know what? My view of this, not that I was asking, but I'll give it is, anyway. Is your view? Shh. My view is shh. And actually, <laughs> it doesn't matter what number you've got on the back of your shirt, if you can't catch the ball, your brain's turned yeah. to angel delight and you are being paggered left, right and centre. And your reaction to that is to make very, very poor decisions. Yeah, I think. Do you really um, think that you know, Farrell being pushed in one channel to ten on Saturday would have made some difference to him or the performance? No, I don't think so. You know, he was the fact that him and and Jonathan Joseph when he came on were basically running fucking crash ball twelve lines all game into the loving, welcoming arms of Bernard Larue, who absolutely <laughs> just had a whale of a time, just smashing the fuck out yeah. of people in white shirts. For yeah. 80 minutes. I might not be able to jump in the air to catch the ball, but I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, though, he was a fucking revelation. Like yes. a bang you know average why? back row. You know why? Becomes... why? He's Ian Goff, isn't he? he fucking Edwards comes in and goes, find me a fucking workman like second row that I can turn into a fucking monster. <laughs> or in this case, a workman like back row that I can shift <laughs> yeah. forward a bit. <laughs> Who's, who's probably a bit past it for the back row because he's like 30. So yes. we'll put him in the engine room and just let him tackle everything for 80 minutes. He was still going. I couldn't believe it. Mm. Remarkable stuff. So, yeah, so, yeah, I don't think that Farrell's positioning really matters. Again, I don't think it was no, that horrendous a, a selection. 
based on nobody was, nobody was... before him was going, oh, well, that's ridiculous. Maybe, maybe you'd say, well, we could do with the ball carrying eight. But there should have been enough carrying. <laughs> yeah. There should have been enough carrying in that team anyway. Yeah. And ultimately, let's not forget that by the end of the game, England were absolutely dominant at scrum time. Yes. And Tom Curry was not having problems controlling the ball at the back of the scrum then, was he? You know, no, he yeah, very he much was when it was going backwards. Yeah, yeah, he struggled a bit at first, but like you know, he was fine for most of the game. He didn't carry in the way that you know Billy Vinopola would have carried. He's, but he's certainly not neither was... eight, But yeah, he, yeah, he, he kind of came. He was doing a job. I don't think that was the problem. The problem was that they absolutely could not handle the intensity of the French, and they could not handle being behind the French. In and the rain. Honest, if not, yeah. if not for Johnny May. Scoring two absolutely worldy fucking yeah. Roy of the Rovers like, wonder tries. Like a one-man cavalry, absolute, yeah. Yeah, that would have been an absolute pasting. That would have been fucking... And quite rightly so. It would, they, yeah, that it would have, have been, been 24-3. Yeah. Do, do we want to talk about the pond? <laughs> I mean, I could talk about him for a very long time. Even with that fucking magnificently mental one minute short brain fart sure. at the end. Honestly, that was one that made me like him even more. Just because he just was obviously so excited, he just wanted the game to be over. It was a fucking masterclass. Honestly, best scrum half in the world. Like, in, in without sort of wishing to go Mr. Hyperbole on it, because he's kind Speaking of, of thermonuclear but, takes, yeah. Well, yeah, I just think but he's looked like that for about. A year now. Since, he's he, like, since he was about 12, three years yeah, ago or whatever. Yeah, he he's absolutely there. looked like he's going to be the best nine in the world. And that game was basically him going, yeah, I probably am, to be honest. I'm going to curse the fuck out of this, but he could be one of the best nines we've ever seen. He's Fast forward five years and he stays good. fit. Oh. Fucking hell. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's the pace of him, the low centre of gravity, the power... Like he's his a kicking game's great as well. Really good decision making. Everything. Oh, there's not a thing that he does badly, except tell the time. <laughs> and well, that just endears just endears you even just more. Really endearing, indeed. Yeah. It's it's just an epically like an epically good performance, and yet and and he's how old is he now? Is he 22 now? Fuck me. Has he turned 22 yet? Has he 23 yet? He's fucking ridiculously young to be playing that consummately brilliantly at this level, I think. Yeah, especially for a man that, you know, he's yeah, he's 23 years old and he's got to have less than 20 caps, you know. He's got 21 caps. Yeah, he came in early, didn't he? He came in at 20 or something. But still, he's five foot nine. he's 12 stone, or nearly 13 stone. You know, it's... He's everything that I want in a <laughs> a French number nine. You know, it's yeah. just small, he's... hard, fantastically yeah. gifted, running the fucking show. That's what you want. Well, the fucking that hit he put on um, on the nine at the end of the game mm. on Willie on Willie Hines right at the end of the mm. game to knock the ball out. Like eighty minutes gone, a scrum off to be fucking absolutely throwing the shoulder like that. At that point, is just glorious. Um, and also, like he loves it, like an Entermax Teddy Boy hair as well. <laughs> More quits, yeah. I say. I'm, I'm all for it. I think he's to be still the sort of knife edge 
for this France team of whether they're going to be excellent or whether they're going to go pure hat yeah. stand again. A lot of the mad shit he did on Saturday seemed to come off. It did, but I feel like on a different day, some of that mad shit will just be mad shit. Do you remember that sort of cross kick he did in the first half where he kind of turned around and ran backwards away from the... Well, he ran with his back to the breakdown and then just launched it right-footed across the field. I was like, what the fuck it's are like, you doing? On, and then... on another day, he's going to get that wrong. And what he's going to do is hit the opposing winger in stride as he streaks in. Yeah, from it's, it's, yeah as he just it's... arcs around your fullback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that, that to me, you know, there's, he's done a lot of very good things. His goal kicking was excellent yesterday as well, but it, it does just sort of make you think... I'd like about 20% less mad from my yeah. 10 if they're going to sort of really become a Well, that aside, I thought it was quite... A, it was a composed performance, generally, from him, actually. Yeah, he was. Know. It was just you know, those little bits of sort of yes. absolute insanity that crept in there was just like, yeah, on another day. But for that day, it was perfect. Everything went well. And let's not forget, it was fucking pissing it down. It was. And they were still trying that shit, and fair play to them. Uh, what else have we got? Okay, anything more on France, England? No, I think we've pretty much covered it, haven't we? It's... I mean, I'm pissed off at England a lot. I mean, I covered it for the Guardian, so mm. I could. You have to watch it with a sense of detachment, obviously, just kind of report. What's you do, on which there is kind of better be. in some. Yeah, ways. so you have to. You, you don't get as emotionally invested in it, but so I'm annoyed that, that England lost. But having said that, as somebody who follows rugby, really with with a little bit of detachment now, in some ways. No one can be unhappy with France looking like they might actually fucking do something. And yeah, they didn't fall it, apart in the second half, not completely. No, no. They, they they definitely sort of ran out of steam a bit, but they didn't have any sort of mental collapses in the way that they would have done in the past. And that's, I mean, that's definitely progress. When you think about this time last year with them losing to Wales and in the World Cup with them throwing that massive lead away and it's yeah. just sort of like, yeah, you know, they 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 stayed the course this time. And don't get me wrong, France being good again will get boring when they've won about two or three Six Nations on the bounce. But it's been so long, I think it's it's something that anybody can sort of enjoy on a purely for the good of rugby kind of We'd all like to see France you know? win a World Cup. In Paris, yeah. wouldn't we? I mean, that'd be glorious, wouldn't it? It would be lovely, wouldn't it? Yeah. So, moving on, should we go backwards to Ireland, Scotland next? Yeah. Uh, didn't see really good coming. first half. Really good first half. Second half was basically just like. Yeah. I mean, I, d I can't imagine what it would be like to be a Scotland fan, but I found it unbelievably <laughs> annoying and frustrating. <laughs> it was just like, for fuck's sake. Yes. Just do something. But, um, yeah, is CJ Stander the most important player in that Ireland team now? In that he, seems to be he seems to be invisible to referees. That's quite important. He, I mean, he absolutely was. But he just seems to be, like, in terms of influence. That's a compliment, by the way. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Can do, you know, rugby's all about getting away with shit. I've got no... If it's not, if it's not harming people, you know, yeah. if it's just technical shit, that's what rugby's all about. So get on with it. Yeah, you think about it, the main reason that Ireland somehow squeaked out with a win against Scotland was that, you know, when they were fucking wretched for most of that game, was mainly kind of, as you say, Standard's ability to play right on the edge 
a ridiculously high work rate and generally being fucking hard and leading that team from the front. And especially with Iron's pack sort of dropping like flies as they were on mm. the weekend, like their backs looking increasingly disjointed and absolutely zero control really being sort of emanating from either halfback, really. Yeah. He sort of felt like <laughs> he was just there putting his body on the line and putting in the big hard carries and putting in the big tackles. And he's the sort of inspirational leader that sort of, there's not particularly in the pack, there's not a lot of that left with sort of best retired. And, you know, Peter Romani seems to be a different kind of leader. You know, the, the, the other players in the pack are quite young and they're coming into their sort of, you know, finding That's... their voice as leader. And he's, he's just there. And, you know, he's, he's right smack bang in the prime of his career. And he seems to be a very powerful, very vocal leader. I did love that Puto Omani came on early after the unfortunate injuries of Doris. And he he came on, the first thing he did was get up in a mall and nick the ball, then yep. squared up immediately afterwards to Xander Fagerson. You know what you get with Peter Omani. I'm making a point here about how I feel about being dropped, <laughs> is everything that he said. Uh, Indeed. Um, but a lot of people talk about how Scotland did so well at the Rook. And they did. They did, Apart yeah. from when they didn't, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But... um. What was noticeable about Ireland is that they didn't actually, for the most part, commit many people to the Rook. No. It was almost like they said, you know what, you can have it and we'll just fan this big green blanket out across the field and let's see how good your creativity is now. And the answer was, it's really interesting. that That was a bit of a theme across a lot of the teams this weekend, was that there wasn't, teams weren't smashing into the breakdown with the sort of intensity that they have been in the past. And they were sort of, as you say, they were fanning out and they were letting teams sort of tire themselves out by just running into a an organised, flat sort of defensive line. It's an interesting thing to look at, isn't it? Because mm. you can't help thinking that maybe defence coaches have gone, do you know what? I'm not sure what good there is in trying to get in there and nick. I mean, if it's there, do it. But yeah. piling in there and putting yourself on... Because getting up and down off the ground is hard work, you know, uh, yeah. the, uh, from an energy point of view. And are you better off investing your time in getting up as fast as you can up into the face of the 10 and the 12 channel mm. and having lots and of people you... there to do that? And that does seem to be something that's happening. And also, when you look at the sort of way that teams are attacking, particularly, you know, the way the teams are attacking around the fringes with, like, pre-binding and stuff like that, you know, it's very rare that you're getting, certainly, you know, within sort of 10 metres either side of a ruck, that you're getting... You know, you're hitting, and one player is hitting another player directly opposite him. It's, you know, two players pre-bound running at you at least, if not three. And with that in mind, you know, you need as many bodies in that line as possible because it's going to take, mm. you know, two or three men to bring one man to bring a pod down when it's coming at you full tilt. So you can't afford to then have loads of players sitting in the ruck because that's, you know, you're going to get exposed very, very easily that way. But it was in a way, it was again, as much as Anna didn't play that well um, and Scotland's composure wasn't great, it was very much a win built on everything that we know Andy Farrell is good at. I don't think we know anything. We don't know a great deal more about what Andy Farrell is as a head coach. Well, no, I think what we've learned is is the kind of Ireland's sort of Maladwart period can't be overcome by Andy Farrell just coming in and being a northern Roy Keane for a week. You know, he. that's not to say that it won't be. But as you say, that just felt like Joe Schmidt's Island, but, you know, 
with the same slightly sort of there's, there was a bit more energy and there was a bit, there was, there, a, bit there was a little bit more pattern in the midfield yeah. they were trying to get a bit more pattern on the backs but it, it, it wasn't happening but you could see that there was there was definitely a kind of you know two runners in front and the ball coming in behind a bit more than than we mm. were seeing under schmidt the try was nice yeah but... yeah the sexton run around patented and, and, you know yeah anybody can Execute a set move from five meters out, really. Scotland can't. Well, <laughs> neither can England. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I, I think Scotland deserve real credit for the intensity that they played with and the physicality with which their forwards played with. But they were made to look very good by an Irish team that really was lacking precision and lacking just like they could be bothered. Really, for certainly for the first forty, they they got a lot more grip of the game in the second half. But like. It just fell short of what we expect. They I lost think, a few people early, team. didn't they? Which didn't help. But yeah, the, uh, it, the, it definitely felt disrupted. The, um, I mean, what Farrell will be most pleased about, and it sounds ridiculous to say, is the win, of course, because you want to win. But actually, more than that, as you said, it was a slightly stuttering, bitty performance from Ireland. And had they lost at home to a Scotland team people didn't expect much from, no, it would have been a pretty shitty week. And all of the oh, he's never been a head, all. all of the he's never been a head coach before would suddenly start yeah. to be he's never been a head coach before that it would have got a lot louder, wouldn't it? So I suppose it's, from that point of view, we'll just be so glad, and I imagine the team will be glad with the win as well. But yeah, there's definitely a sense I think that uh, that he just he he needed that, and Ireland needed that, and the performance was kind of moot. Really, it's just about getting it, silencing that critics for a couple of weeks at least you know from scotland's point of view um again i, I, I cover this game so i'm, I'm only saying that because it makes me remember stuff i spent at least the first 20 to 30 minutes talking about how well they were doing mm-hmm. and how they were pretty you know and the and the, the uh they were running good patterns got hands all over the ball and yet they still found themselves behind again and well, no, yet they found of... themselves not scoring again and I said, yes, they didn't score a try, man. Like, and I said at the end of the game, I said, the weird thing is, for everything that kind of went well in that game, and some bits did, mm-hmm. I think they attacked pretty well. Everyone got their hands on the ball in not, not the best conditions and so on. Um, there's nothing, and maybe Scotland fans will feel different, but there's nothing that I look at and think, oh, they should be more confident going into Murrayfield to play England yeah. next week. Because yeah. actually it just makes me think, well, if, as I said, it was a greatest hits performance of theirs where mm. at least 80% of the tracks are kind of tearjerkers that upset you. Well, it's amazing how quickly Scottish fans seem to have decided that Finn Russell's shit and they don't need him anyway. Because, you know, and I get it. I get it. Like, you know, if I was a Scotland fan, I'd be extremely unendeared by the way that Finn has no, indeed. behaved. Yeah. Adam Hastings and- played okay. And he played okay, but that was the thing. He played okay. People are talking here, talk, talking him up after that game like he was fucking Dan Carter. There was he, one brilliant moment where he visibly went fucking mental when the forwards lost the ball again inside yeah, the twenty-two. That's he was, good. and then it was like, I do, I feel for you, mate, because honestly, you're doing okay here, but there is only so much that you can <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah, there's only so much. Yeah. And why wasn't Rory kind of... Hutchinson brought off the bench until fucking seven fucking minutes hell, left? Mate, or whatever tell me it about was. it. Yeah. In a game that needed a bit of that, but anyway, sorry. Yeah, and I think there's still huge fucking questions about whether Gregor Townsend is a good coach or not, and the weekend did absolutely nothing to make me think mm. one way or another with that. But like, and last time I checked, like, Scotland still lost, 
Scotland scored a grand total of zero tries despite spending huge amounts of time in the Irish 22. And when they desperately needed some composure and some creativity in the final third, they just balled it up time and time again. And it does go against the narrative, the accepted narrative, that they are this incredibly creative, pattern-based team when you repeatedly can't score. Yeah. And the reality is, Finn Russell is arguably the form outside half in the world at the moment. He sees and does things that no other outside half can do. And if you honestly think that at the end, Scotland would have been aimlessly, pointlessly sending isolated one-up runners over and over again into the try line instead of him just trying something. And people have said, oh, yeah, he'd have thrown seven million intercepts. Well, maybe he would have. He probably would have scored four tries, though. Yeah. And that's, you know, he is... (laughs) He is a be- much better player than Adam Hastings. Scotland are a much better team with him at 10. Hmm. I'm sorry, but that's just true. And the, all the unpleasant and... and in, to be fair, I know, think any team would be a better team with him at 10. He's a very, very yeah. good player. He's, a, he's yeah. one of the best 10s in the world. And that's what makes this whole sort of unendearing and unedifying... Despite the fact they've played standoff. badly with him in the team a lot, though. That's the thing. I'm going around yeah. in circles in my head here, but I'm contradicting myself. But the other side of it is they have played badly enough with him there as well. Yeah, but they've played well enough with him there as well. Mm. And, you know, I've I've rarely seen Scotland's forwards play as well as that with Finn at 10. And when he, they have, they tend to win. Yeah, that's a point. And I just think it's, it's easy to look good at a 10 when you're getting a, a sedan chair ride from the forwards. And for a lot of the game, Hastings was. And I just think... And on the one hand, it's sort of like, well, there's no use crying over spilt milk. Finn's not coming back anytime soon by the looks of things. But it does just make me look at Gregor Townsend and that whole fucking Scottish setup and think if you can't find a way to make peace with the best player that you've got in the most important position on the field, and what are you doing? What are you doing? Because you see... they're acting like he only he's the only rugby player in the world that's got a massive fucking ego. And I'm here to tell you that it's really fucking not true. Did you see Hamish Watson's pace when he went through that line break? I was like, what? Whoa, where's this come from? Where the fuck did that come from? Loved it. Talk about positive stuff. Wonderful stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they're a totally different team with him in, like, he brings that edge and that dynamism to to the Scottish pack that he, that it's just not there when he's not there. I like but yeah, the, that pace. I, I don't like know Haney as well. Came. Yeah, for all the shit that he was getting before the game about how he wasn't ready and how he'd done nothing in an Edinburgh shirt to justify it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He played really well. Did. Against a pretty seasoned guy. Yeah. Final point on this, fucking Reynal's awful, isn't he? <sighs> he's a weird mix. And not just because like... he's missing stuff or, you know, that final penalty in the sec- first half that last penalty in the first mm. half which broke down I mean Stander was he was basically he, might have, he should have had a sleeping bag he was lying down so much on top of that rook the only bit of him that wasn't lying down was I think it was Omani was lifting his was trying to pull him up yeah. so a bit of his chest wasn't touching the yeah. rook because his, his teammate was basically lifting him up by the collar basically as he was grabbing for the ball, it was um, that was a bit of a miss. But you know, it, it, we all have them. Every team has them. I'm not, you know, I'm not having to go at CJ Stander yeah. for that. 
But Reynolds, he's just a fussy fucker, isn't he? <laughs> That's the thing. He's a weird mix of fussy and sort of tedious, where he makes the game sort of an unwatchable stop-start shit fest. But then at the same time, he misses loads of stuff. It's like he's like half Jerome Garces, half Nigel Owens, and he can't make his mind up which one he's going to be. He's either going to let everything go to let the game go. High tackles, don't worry about it. Line all over the ball, don't worry about it. Blatant fucking cheating, don't worry about it. Or he's having 20-minute fucking discussions with scrums about fucking Because you stood six inches binding. the wrong side or something. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, it, what I whenever I see he's doing a fucking game, I just think, oh, God. So that's Ireland, Scotland. Yeah. Lots to work on, I think is the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, lots to do. Plenty of work-ons to use the... Uh... Indeed. Uh, do you want to talk about Wales? Go on then, you can. Yeah. Uh, how, much can we, how much do we know from that? How much can you deduce from this game? I can tell you that with Italy are a fucking shit show. Did <laughs> you see Franco Smith's face? Well, yeah, and, <laughs> and the fourth so. try went in. He almost like threw his notebook to one size. Yeah, I can't fucking like, write well, this down There's anymore. no fucking point of this. Yeah, I've written enough down today. <laughs> He's got a lot. To, they rarely looked this ragged and messy under Conor O'Shea, did they? Let's no. be honest. And, you know, they've got... It's almost more unacceptable because we know that they've got a really good crop of young players now. Mm. And there's not really any excuse for them to be that bad. I'm not saying they should be beating Wales in Cardiff, but they shouldn't be that bad. Like, with the exception of the scrum, where that was for some reason the tight head, the Italian tight head was getting away with bloody murder and leak, winning penalties for fun. Aside from that which had nothing to do with him and everything to do with the ref not knowing what he was talking about. Every facet of their game was terrible. The defence was awful. The attack was awful. The line-out was awful. The breakdown was awful. It was just terrible. And like, if this is what post-Sergio Italy looks like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't good. Wales, though. Yeah. Green shoots of something slightly it's different. Well, they're already showing a bit more variety in attack, but I am already concerned about how suspect their defence looks. Like, there were some nice moments when in the past... Hang on, how many defences conceded nothing be suspect? <laughs> because they were still getting cut open way too easily. Like, there were some re- on attack, there were some really nice moments. Like, when in the past they would have kicked it away or they would have taken the safe option... And instead, they opted to run it from deep or try the risky pass or generally trusted their skill set. And that's encouraging to see from you know a Wales team that haven't done a lot of that over the last 11 years. But there were also times when Italy just found it incredibly easy to just cut, particularly in the wide channels. It was just like three passes and all of a sudden they were making 10, 15 metres. Now, they still have the sort of the base level of Sean Edwards that's still in them. And so the scramble defence was very good. But this, this this is just the part of the Wayne Pivot regime that really worries me. Mm. Is It's not that I don't think that Byron Hayward isn't as good as a defence coach as Sean Edwards is. It's just I don't think he's a very good defence coach full stop. Um, <laughs> and, I don't th- and we don't appear to have a scrum or a line-out anymore, which is a ringing endorsement of Jonathan Humphreys bringing his Scotland form to Wales. And... 
I, I have horrible feelings about Wales that they're going to turn into a really... They're going to turn into Scotland, basically. A team that plays some really nice rugby, but is absolutely powder puff everywhere else. And... I, I worry that we won't. Well, the opposite see it was true of Scotland this weekend, generally. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like you know, the, what we traditionally have associated yes. with Scotland with over the last couple of years, which is you know playing really sort of you know entertaining, sexy rugby, but also having a really soft underbelly. And I don't think it'll come immediately because I think that those Wales players have had so much Warren Gatland, Sean Edwards drilling over the last eleven years that it's going to take a while for that to sort of wear off. But by you know by the next World Cup. I wouldn't fancy us with the current setup if that is is the way it's going to go. It could, you know, I'm being very, very premature here, but I just look at it and I don't like what I see from a structural point of view at all. Josh Garner, as gentlemen, absolutely fucking <laughs> depressed at a five try and a forty-two nil nilling <laughs> of his own team. Well, you know, I've got to be consistent, haven't I? No, it was, you know, I was entertained by Wales on the weekend and I liked a lot of what I saw, but I still saw enough in the very limited opportunities that Italy got to attack to make me go, ooh. And I, I will remain oofed until I'm proven otherwise, to be honest. Do we like the player formerly known as Dan Bigger? Fucking right we do. But then, you know, we, we all knew that this was, well, we've been saying for, you know, a couple of months that, Chris Boyd, Dan Bigger, is a bit different yeah. to Jim Mallinder, Dan Bigger, or Sean Holly, Dan Bigger. And or Warren yeah. Gatland, Dan Bigger. Well, indeed, Warren Gatland, Dan Bigger. You know, it's he's got all, he's always had all of the tools, but it's taken Chris Boyd and, you know, to a lesser extent, Wayne Pivak to really make him trust himself in that regard. And it's it's, it's really interesting to see how sort of free he seemed you know he's never still never going to be jared evans in terms of taking the ball to the line hmm. but he physically he has the skills to do absolutely anything he wants on the rugby field we did see the, to show it a bit we did see the ron seal twins didn't we <laughs> it was a gloriously sort of you know reese webb and jared evans came on yeah Reese Webb looked like a man that hasn't played a lot of rugby recently, didn't he? <laughs> he also looked like a man who was trying to buy a lot of penalties. And to be fair, quite a few of them, he was absolutely entitled to get them. But the referee, just Luke Pierce, just decided that he wasn't going to give him any. There was one where Luke Pierce shouted, no, you threw the ball directly into him. When yes, very loudly. Play. Yeah, and it was like, yeah, because he was standing offside. That I've never been. I've never quite true. understood that. That if somebody's standing offside and then you make it obvious that they are, why that isn't then offside? And you see yeah. it quite a lot. There's obviously a law I don't understand. Well, it's but basically, that, well, it's your own fault no, for no, making him offside for somehow yeah. drawing yeah, attention no, to the fact he was stood in an offside position. Yeah. Doesn't change the fact that if the ball hit him. He's definitely offside. <laughs> it's yeah, but. He was like a man who was trying way too hard and was trying to make things happen. And I sympathise with him because that's probably the only fucking action that he's going to get of the Six Nations um, when you figure that Gareth uh, Gareth Davis is going to be back probably next week. Yeah. And... <laughs> we didn't mention this last week because we were running out of time, but Luke Pierce taking the captaincy off Jackson Ray and giving it to Manu Verapola was the greatest yeah. thing I've ever seen. Honestly, hilarious. Just very stuff. quietly, just going, all right, I'm talking to you now because he doesn't want to work with us. I love that. He doesn't want to work with us. <laughs> Which is referee sort of... speak, I think, for 
I think he's a tosser, so therefore <laughs> I'm, I'm speaking I'm, to you. I'm sick. Of, I'm sick of listening to his moaning. Is the reality of it? But when, it also you know when judges in, ju- in judgments, right? He, she was an yeah. unreliable witness. That basically means yeah. she was lying through her fucking teeth. Of, uh, <laughs> well, they can't write that, you know. I also, yeah, I feel like it, it. It speaks to sort of the middle management background of a lot of referees these days, in that they have that sort of, you know, yeah, he's, he's just not really going to work. He's not really working yeah. well with us at the moment, so we've decided to go another way. I've decided to move Jackson onto projects for the rest of the game, and I'll be, <laughs> and I'll be working with you. Projects, indeed. Um, uh, uh, so there you go. Not much else to say there, I suppose. Other than surely, no. I mean, Italy have got to face. Well. Uh, we're going to talk about. Do you want to talk about the games next week? Now, then we'll do. Yeah, Sheffield fuck it, let's quickly. do it now. Italy have got to face France next week, in France. And if this France, I'm not, is anything I'm not just to go France. By. A France hyped and high on their own supply <laughs> of. Uh, they're just gonna absolutely. With another week of Edwards under their belt for the full pulverizing yeah. that's coming. <laughs> I mean, this could be like eighty nil. <laughs> you know, if, they're going to start Matthew Jalabert and it's all going to go fucking mad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, please, I can't wait for that. Yeah, that'll be an absolute pasting. So, yeah, yeah. As um, I've already alluded to the fact that um, England have to go to Scotland now. Yeah, it's a weird one, this, isn't it? I still think without Finn Russell at 10, Scotland aren't winning this game. The funny thing was is that I wrote, I, I pulled my thoughts together about Scotland's chances against England while I was covering the Ireland game mm-hmm. I obviously hadn't seen the England game then and I'd not really I've not really readjusted my thoughts so I suppose I'm doing it now having watched England do I have any more hope for Scotland than I did when I was watching them you know make the same old mistakes in many ways against against um, Ireland I think I do but also I do think that there's another there's a week of England now to pull themselves together yeah, and you and say no, fin, no, Finn Russell. Rocket up the arse, aren't they? And they're going to have a point to prove. And I think that England's point to prove is more pressing than Scotland's point. The, the problem is that Scotland have got themselves into that horrible position where a valiant, impressive defeat is treated as sort of almost a positive when they should be fucking kicking themselves and every Scottish fan should be kicking themselves. The fact that Scotland didn't lose that, didn't win that game because they absolutely should have won it, and I worry that they will be a little bit too sort of pleased with how well they played on the weekend, and in, whereas England are just going to be psychotically pumped up to make. But a, if they play to that level again, but with a little bit more in the last fifteen meters of the pitch, they'll win. I think you know Scotland. There was enough there. I think after all my negativity before, I think there, I is, agree. there was there's enough. So I think there's two ways you can look at it. You can look at it on one level and say, "Oh, well, that was okay, valiant defeat." But actually, there is another way to look at it. And Townsend said this at the end of the game. He did say, "I'm quite, I'm not frustrated at all. I'm quite happy," which I think it was bollocks. But I could kind of see. Yeah. I think he was overstating his point. But I think I can see what he's saying. There was enough for me there to be happy about. But I think that that's a dangerous situate particularly for Scotland to get themselves into because they've done this before and not backed it up the week after and I think that if I was Townsend I'd much rather be if I I was going in with a win I'd be confident whereas I just think that they're sort of in the no man's land of between positivity and negativity here which is kind of a 
a bit of a wishy-washy place to be in against a team that are going to be absolutely laser-focused in England. See, but I thought I thought that after the, you know, they've lost the World Cup final, they've brought in a new forwards coach, you dismantled them in the World Cup final, so I thought England would be laser-focused for this one. You know, going away mm. to France, that fucking crystallises your mind. Points approved after getting battered, battered up front by South Africa and then got battered <laughs> again. <laughs> So yeah, I, no, it's um, it's so yeah, I, I I think there's always an assumption that England are going to kick back, you know. But actually, if you go back two games ago, they were a fucking terrifying. Yeah, they played one present. of the finest games of fucking Test rugby anyone's ever seen. So I just genuinely don't know what's gone wrong, or is going well, wrong. Think, Has it gone wrong? You, is it just a couple of weird I think games? You and Eddie Jones, mate. Like, mate. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's a weird one, but I just think I look at that and I think if I was England, like a Scotland team that maybe are feeling a little bit pleased with themselves, is the absolute best situation that I'd want to be going into this week. And as as somebody on Twitter said, and I can't remember who it was, or it was it was retweeted on Twitter. I haven't seen England this dominated up front since the last time they played. <laughs> so there's, you know what I mean? There's no um, there's no guarantee yeah. this gets better, yeah. is there? Especially because Scotland no. were pretty fucking good. Up front, they were absolutely. Although do, with yeah. my qualifier, that I think Ireland were letting them off at the rook a little. Had a tactic to not get involved in the mm. rookers maybe before. I think it's extremely unlikely England are that bad again. But who knows? Who you knows? Know, I would have. I would have said it was extremely Difficult unlikely they'd be call. as bad as they were on the weekend as I well. So. To, I wouldn't want to predict a game. Difficult to call. I won't want to predict that game. No. Now. Uh, Speaking of difficult to call as well, Ireland Wales. I, Honestly, it is nice absolute... actually that every game this year you're a bit like, I don't fucking know. Yeah, this one for me is an absolute crapshoot because, like, I don't think Ireland were very good on the weekend, but I don't really know anything more about Wales than I did before that Italy game because it was such a fucking weak ass test. Of you know, yeah. they've played a game against the Barbarians and they've played a game against Italy, both teams were shit, and I sort of feel like it could be a bit of a wake-up call of, oh, yeah, this is what actual test rugby is like for Pivac and for some of these sort of younger Wales players this weekend. But equally, you know, they could just keep doing what they're doing and sort of be very clinical in attack as they have been and sort of and, and blow them away a bit. So it's, yeah, it's as you say, I haven't got a fucking clue. I don't want to call this. You'd fancy Ireland at home, I guess, but I don't think Ireland was so bad even when they were bad that I don't think that they don't have enough in their locker to deal with the sort of a, a clearly evolving Wales team. But, yeah, I wouldn't want to fancy... I wonder I wouldn't John want to Cooney will start. I don't think so. I think the only way Conor Murray doesn't start these days is now is if he's injured. I think... Farrell's just clearly very enamoured. And to be honest with you, when you think about Cooney, he's not a long-term option either. You know, Conor Murray's 30, Cooney's 29. It's it's not like sort of picking him is, is sort of putting your faith in youth. You know, you're He did getting... play well when he came on. Kicking game. He did play nice. well when he came on. But yeah, it's... Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think all, with the exception of the France-Italy game, obviously... The other two games this weekend are very, very tight and very hard to call, and which really is good. will just which yeah, is good yeah. for the tournament and all. Absolutely, that. it 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 really will just depend on which team kind of gets their shit together, because 
yeah, it's 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 a it's honestly just as as tough as as close and as tight a Six Nations as I can remember. In terms of where I feel like all the teams are. Hmm. Okay, so we look forward to that the weekend. Then it's a week off, isn't it? Yeah. So yes. Shall we do shit good to finish? I think we probably should, shouldn't we? Let's do shit, shall we? Let's. What you got? Uh, well, uh, it'd be remiss of me to not talk about hands, Num- namely Owen Farrell's hands, uh, Teddy Thomas' hands, and Stuart George, Hogg's hands. George Ford's hands. George Ford's hands. A lot of bad hands this weekend, is what I'm saying. <laughs> like that hog. A dicks for oh. fingers fest. Yes. Oh, my God. What a hog, I mean, one, man. Oh. Every time you saw the replay, you just thought you were one of the best players in the world. You And you are. I loved his embarrassed embarrassed fist pump after he's trying obviously to style did. it out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we've all done it. And, but the, he was doing it while at the same time having an ashen look of a man that knew exactly what had just happened. I and, I and remember just once wanted to die chasing a kick that had been grubbed through, and it was properly, I think, and I'm not over over exaggerating. It had gone about six feet dead, and I jumped on it. <laughs> And then jumped up and like put me fist in the air as if I'd scored because the ref was quite a long way away, <laughs> and he literally just he just quietly shook his head at me. It was the most withering hint <laughs> I've ever had. You've got a lot at least with that. Face. I was just trying to take the piss and you know being a bit hard faced, whereas this yeah. was a total and utter fuck up. No, it was it was horrible, genuinely horrible. And he kind of drops it out of one hand, and at one point I thought, "Why is he putting that down one handed?" But when you look at it, he isn't. He's trying to touch it down two handed, to but he just, just loses everything it, right, and it just went wrong. Yeah, it's oh, it's horrible, really horrible. Yeah, terrible stuff. What else have I got? The shit. Um, he played well other than that, actually. Before we move on, he, did. he had a very good game. He was, like, he was playing well, but not. He was playing well in a way that I haven't seen him play for a while. In that he looked very dynamic. And he was making players miss left, right, and mm. centre. Like every time he got the ball, he was stepping and stepping and stepping and bumping people off. And it was just like, oof, he's he's back to being an absolute handful. Not just when he's sort of streaking in the open field, but when he's he's like in the close quarters, he's starting to use his. You know, he's a big lad, and he's starting to use that. And that's that's got to be an extra factor, surely. Rob well, I think it, a change of it, change of coach, mate. change of scene, confidence up again, you know. Yeah. But you can't help but feel like Rob Baxter's just gone, look, mate, you are fucking, you are a big lad. You are fucking, you know, six foot and 15, 15 and a half stone, something like that. And you've got a low well, centre of gravity with yeah. it. Yeah. You know, he's... He's got. He's capable of really fucking bumping people off when he wants to, especially as he looks like he's been in the gym a bit and mm. he looks like his, his top half looks big and he was using that to really good effect on the weekend in a way that I haven't really seen him do that much over the last couple of years. What else have I got this shit? Joe Marler's midfield mall attempt. <laughs> Honestly. What the fuck? What the fuck we get it. That? We get it, Matt. <laughs> You wanted to just show your little World Cup, you know, England wanted to show that they'd learned from the World Cup and that you were in charge of their forwards now, so you were going to try a midfield mall setup. The difference is that the box did it incredibly well. And it looks like Whereas nobody told them how to do it. No, well, they just basically stood there in the middle of the park and then just all had a big cuddle, and then France pushed them backwards. But Marla caught it, turned round, 
and then stood there for what felt like about two and a half minutes <laughs> before anybody even attempted to bind it onto really it. Really awkward. It was thus. It was a sort of rugby equivalent of like being the first person to step onto the dance floor at a wedding, and you're just sort of waiting and hoping that somebody comes with you. Otherwise, this is going to get really awkward. Really, well, it looked like quick. he leaned in for a snog, and the person just kept moving, moving their head backwards, <laughs> and he didn't know what to yeah. do. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't good, was it? It was like, it did was... anybody actually call it? Or did he catch it, then call it? it? And everyone went, but like... we're about 25 metres away from you. What yeah. do you expect hang us on, to take? Hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't good. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, I fucking called it. What did you call? I called oranges. That's not the code for a mall, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Any more shit? Or do I go to Twitter? I mean, let's go to Twitter, okay. why not? Matt Ford okay. gets in touch. He said, shit is all of the Saracens players who played for their country this weekend, with the exception of Tompkins. Yeah. Who might be worth yeah. a Lions 2021 bet. Oh, Matt. Oh, we've told you. <laughs> he said, many... double shit, the decision not to have a specialist eight in the England squad. Matt's an old mate, man. He did text me the minute the whistle went and just said, so that selection, non-selection of Don Brand looks good now, doesn't it? I mean, it's absolutely true, to be fair. I mean, there are no it's... guarantees, are there? But somebody you can no, actually no, no, just no, say, no. everything's going shit, you just fucking run the ball in, will you? Sort of thing. Yeah. It's... I think, actually, one of the shits for me, and I think there's some, probably a couple of people on Twitter have said it as well, but poor Caelan Doris lasting, what, fucking three minutes of his first cap and getting concussed. That's shit, isn't yeah. it? Like... But still hit ten rocks or something. Uh, that was apparently nonsense. Like that's someone. Right. I did someone, think, in the, someone in the stats, someone in the stats thing got a bit, went a bit fucking mad. So it's like there's no way you hit ten rucks in fucking three minutes. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> that's just not. I was thinking. No. Sure, no, that's that's a work rate. I don't think there was ten rucks in the first three minutes. Never mind that he hit ten of them himself. So. so there you go. What else we got? The shit. Morgan James Webb says shit is diving on players after they scored a try. Oh, it's not effort. You're just a prick. Now, that all kicked off, and French TV coverage is what it is, isn't it? That all kicks yeah. off. And then they finally found an angle of what happened. Mm-hmm. But in between times, Nigel had said, well, whatever happened there wasn't illegal. So there's no need for that. Well, there's no need for having a fight. Obviously, they're not going to condone that. But there is a kind of, but no, that was completely illegal, completely out of order and should have been a penalty. And yeah. it keeps happening As as well. At least, if not a yellow card. It keeps happening as well. You know, yeah. what, what do we and need to do to happening. stop this happening? Well, refs are going to have to show a bit of fucking backbone and send somebody off that does that. Or what, you still and not just for... restart the game with a penalty, something like that? Yeah, just yellow card, straight off the bat. You know, so yeah. you can see the try and, because you've been a fucking dickhead about it, your team's going to have to play the next 10 minutes down a man. Yes. Liam Williams got chucked in the bin for something very similar a couple of years ago. Well, he did, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So it's there, you can do it. You yeah, should do it. It's but it's awful. Uh, what's his face? Um, Leinster winger got sent off for it as well uh, this season. James it's Lowe. Just, James Lowe, yeah. In the Pro 14. Mm. It's it's just, it's not. Cunt's trick. It's dangerous. Right. It is a cunt's trick. And we it's dangerous it. fuck, We've man. referenced it against the, the Matrix. Yeah, and it's, it's definitely 100% a cunt's trick. trick. Oh, shit for me, actually, mm. is uh, Michael Checker on comms. Just did not enjoy him at all. It's the it's the it's the it's the quality of his voice, isn't it? It's not. I can't get past that to actually what he's saying. Yeah, and what he's saying was broadly 
I mean, <laughs> it sort of reminded me of why he's not been a successful international coach. Because there was a lot of just sort of, a lot of platitudes and a lot of <laughs> about it without actually any real fucking insight or analysis. And I'm not saying that the rest of the BBC commentary team were doing a particularly good job of it, because honestly, Jiffy was fucking reprehensible this weekend. He was unbelievably bad. He does. He is phoning it in. Honestly, that man does less research for <laughs> commentating on international rugby on the BBC than we do for this podcast <laughs> by some distance. And we don't really do that much fucking prep anymore because we watch a lot of rugby. Yeah. But he honestly feels like a man that hasn't watched any rugby since the Rugby World Cup. Hmm. And it's just bad. Like, yeah. really... Like, uh, before the tournament, he was asked, I think, by Wales Online to pick his player, like, his, his, like, potential, like, breakout player of the tournament. And he picked Jordan Lama. It's like, how is, <laughs> what, the guy who's been playing for Ireland for the last three years? <laughs> that everybody already knows is brilliant. It's like the most obvious fucking answer imaginable. And it's still, like, and, you know, it was loads of other people. And, like, people were talking about Caelan Doris. People were talking yeah. about sort of, you know, all Rory sorts Hutchinson, of players. Rory Hutchinson was yeah. in there. You know, people, you know, that actually done a bit of work and thought and what in show. But he just, man, he just could not be less fucking engaged. That's and a man who's very, very comfortable with the job that he has and the, the yeah. security of it, isn't he? And it? he's not worried about losing it in the fucking slightest. No. And it's, yeah. I did love how much tape um, Dylan Hartley had to have on his ears to hold his monitors in place because his ears are so cauliflowered and fucked that there's basically no yeah, ear well, hole Yeah, well, Michael anymore. Checker had exactly the same Oh, he did, didn't he? Graham Golvin got in touch and uh, recreated yeah. it with some tape and a rag, oh, which I liked, yes. I did enjoy that. Yeah, it was like that earpiece was absolutely not getting anywhere near that ear. No. And it just makes you wonder, like, what? Like, how do... How do rugby players like have in-ear earphones? You know, do they ha- always have to have those big Beats ones because mm. the little ones won't fit yeah, in their massive. Yeah, they're all there. massive fucking cans on. Yeah, yeah. I went to the gym last week, which was shit. But it was amazing <laughs> the number of people um, who were wearing those massive headphones. Honestly, I cannot fucking understand that. Like, I. Yeah. I you know I get like a it. fucking load of Cybermen had turned up to run on Over the fucking ears. yeah yeah. Over ears are more comfortable. I won't deny that. Yeah. But they're also incredibly impractical. And I'm wearing over ear headphones now. Of activity. And you yeah. get hot. Yeah, so I'm yeah. Hot ears. Yeah. <laughs> and also, you know, you start, you move around a bit too much, they're gonna fall off. Yeah. Also, extra weight. Yeah. Also, so, you look like a cunt. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's another reason why the gym fucking stinks. Is that. Um, <laughs> Anyway, moving on. Yes. Shit, Chris Jones says, the very evident effect of having Steve Borthwick as your skills coach. He had that in inverted <laughs> commas. He said, and I cannot emphasize those inverted commas enough. <laughs> it was an interesting... It's also the fact that he's in the exit lounge as well, isn't he? It's like, whatever skills I'm teaching you now, I'm going at the end, in the next, after four games. So, Basically, yeah. It's it's a, such a weird sketch that his sort of you know he started off as the lineup coach that made a lot of sense yes he was an absolutely brilliant lineup operator uh, and then he moved to forward coach and it's like yeah yes. okay makes some sense skills coaches are really it's an interesting 
mm. place for him to end up. And it sort of feels like they're just trying to put him somewhere. They've obviously not found a new one, have they? So no. you might as well stay and do it while we find yeah. somebody else who can. And then you can fuck off the Leicester. Yes. That's what we got here then. Shit, Charlie Brennan gets in touch and she says, shit is Young's basketball pass to the cameraman, massively emphasised by the fact that he shouldn't even be in the squad. But at least it went faster than his usual snail pace. <laughs> As somebody said on Twitter, it had, it had everything. It had it him did. crabbing it sideways. It had, it had him ponderously wondering what to do and then one-handedly launching it into touch. It was just so... That's what 95 caps of experience gets you in a tough game. Yeah. A very nearly an international centurion, and he still is that. And the thing is, right, yeah, I get it. Like, he's shit. We can all see this, right? But who are you going to pick instead of him? There is no outstanding candidate, is there? I suppose the question no, is mean, always, it's va- well, you know, we use it a lot on here, the value over replacement thing, right? Mm. So what's his value versus Robson? What's his value versus Spencer? What's his value? What does the There's rugby signs. pass index say about it, Josh? They'll have, they'll Ooh, have a let's view find out. <laughs> Let us find out. Rugby pass index. Scrum halves. No, let's I mean, not do you, I mean, even you look at, like, and I know that he's basically got, you know, some sort of blind spot. But you look at, like, you know, Harry Randall's played and Andy Urin have played really well for Bristol this season. Mm. And neither of them are within 100 fucking miles of getting near an England Well, the ship. only scrum half who's come in is that embryo from Newcastle. Who's yeah. in as an apprentice player whose name escapes me now. But, uh, yeah. He's like literally so just got pubes, and he's now in. Yeah. He's, he's now in an England squad because that's how little he thinks of all the others. <laughs> so, in terms of uh, scrum arse, right mm. in the Premiership, mm-hmm. um, the top of the on the RPI, which as we all know is absolute is fact and a wonderful absolute product, fact yeah. and undeniably, um, absolutely undeniably spot on. Um, Fafter Clerk is. Uh, your number one, yeah, unsurprisingly, yeah. followed closely actually by Ben Spencer. That doesn't surprise me from a Premiership point of view. No, no. Uh, followed closely after that by Jack Maunder from Exeter, mm. who again mm. nowhere oh. near it. <laughs> followed by followed by Harry Randall from Bristol, again, yes. absolutely nowhere near. Followed by um, Will Cliff from Sale. Interesting that both Sale nines are in there. Followed by Tom Whiteley from Saracens. Um, Michael Heaney's in there. You know, it's it does demonstrate that it is a fucking absolute... It's a long way down till you get to Ben Young's is the point we're trying to make here. He's, he's and that's, that's even... a daft metric, but it's yeah. a metric, you know, if we were all to write a list, I think it wouldn't that wouldn't be miles away from if we were asked to rank them. No, indeed. And, you know, I'm you know, there's this... <laughs> It's just somebody's got to be worth a go. Is what? Yeah. Is what I'm saying. There isn't a toddler um, from Newcastle. Yeah. So you've either got somebody who's got 95 caps and remains sketch. unconvincing, a toddler from Newcastle, or an aging Andre Agassi lookalike. That's basically what the strongest league in the world 
TM providing scrum commas, can provide I mean, you. From a Welsh point of view, it is funny because we've got fucking scrum arms coming out of our fucking ears at the moment. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we've literally got three international class scrum arms, and and you know, arguably throw Alan Davis and uh, Roger Williams in there as well. You know, as as perfectly serviceable international nines. I want Roger Williams to play international rugby because I believe that some that hair should be an international rugby hair. Absolutely, it should. I mean, it should have been it's international baffling. rugby hair it in nineteen ninety six. It's bafflingly wonderful, and I want to see it on the highest possible stage. <laughs> um, yeah, but you look you look at England, you just think scrum off is you know in the same way that Wales doesn't have any centres, England have no fucking scrum offs, and it's going to be a problem in a year or two, like a serious problem. Wait, we've got to move this on. Yeah, Toasted yeah. Giant gets in touch and says, "Shit, his BBC coverage is so utterly dated and awful that Healy and Kay at their most bants would still be a massive improvement." It is all yeah. a bit static, isn't it? It is all. Eddie cool. Jones giving Hartley some beard bants in his pre-match interview was 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 well, yeah. I will say, I don't want to go over it again because it was so awful. Was actually pretty good. He was actually. I thought some of his insights about what Biggers bringing that might have come from Northampton into the Wales team, flankers out wide a lot, one three three one patterns, all that stuff was quite was genuinely enlightening. Yeah, because fuck knows, I don't know any of this stuff, so. Jack Hurst gets in touch and said, shit, is the bloke next to me in the pub during England versus France? He thought it was the fault of the French camera operator that George Cruis attempted try was being held up rather than the fact that a French player was glued to the ball and Cruis was lying on his back. Hashtag bell ends in pubs, he finishes with. <laughs> We've told you but and every listener said, to this podcast repeatedly yeah. that you don't go to pubs to watch games. No, it's absolutely the worst. It's second, you know. It's it's slightly behind watching a game with Twitter open. You know, you get exactly the same result as we discussed <laughs> earlier in this podcast. Worse than that, worse than that is watching games at weddings with relatives of people you don't know oh, who try and engage you in conversation. That. I'm such a miserable bastard. They're trying to engage in conversation about it. You're just like no, everything you you've just said is absolute trite bollocks. bollocks yeah. But I'm too polite in this setting to tell you that. But yeah. The reality is, like the the only acceptable place to watch rugby is on your, your at home on your own in the dark. Absolutely <laughs> acceptable place honest. to do most things in my experience. Indeed, that's um, honest. Boo! Yeah, the uh, so Phil Carton gets in touch. He said, "Shit is the kick predictor stroke ITV graphics." Honestly, that's <laughs> amazing. I love that. It's, if not because they brought it in, they obviously were saving it for a kick where they thought, "Well, this is an absolute fucking gimme, isn't it?" So. We'll bring it in now so that so that it'll look authoritative and then we can use it all the time. And they brought it in for the ninety one percent or whatever it was, which which Sexton somehow fucking manages to screw wide. <laughs> and then we'll never see that thing again. But there were at I least three occasions do. where they went, This is something you were trying this year. Yeah. This is the overflapham about- graph that shows you that there's been two rocks somewhere. You're like, what the fuck are you banging on about? <laughs> It's like, but some of them were like that sort of where the rucks were stat thing was actually quite useful. Interesting to see where the action was happening all over the field. But I not, probably just know, didn't like, understand it. Well, you know, ultimately, nothing that you can't have gained from just fucking watching the game. But it's it's amazing honest. the number of ways they try and tell you the stat. territory stat. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which has been it, around for so fucking long. To like, from Bill McLaren's days, you got a territory start, and that's basically yeah. what all of this is. It's all a territory is, yeah. start. Well, it's trying to turn the territory stamp, the territory stat into a Voight Kampf test, isn't it? You know, it's like, at, at what point do you stop being human when you can't understand what, you know, mm. the fucking. But you know, you're talking to a computer. Kick yes. percentage indicator is <laughs> fucking useless. Yeah, stop overthinking it, lads. Um, yeah. Anyway, Phil Jones gets in touch and says that shit is the director of Jaguares Argentina versus Lions. Cutting away to an exterior shot of the stadium on Saturday night, just as just as Haguardo was about to get his wiggle on with the halftime entertainment, he was bullshit. literally being being lowered Absolute in. Bullshit! And they cut to outside the stadium. It's like it was man... a full band as well. There's a man <laughs> playing slap bass. <laughs> fucking, I feel robbed. Honestly, God, they wonder why people you can't attract more fans to the fucking sport when you're cutting away from Haguardo about to fucking break dance or something. Absolute disgrace. Finally, Tom Dare gets in touch. He said, shit, is it brings me no pleasure saying this. He said, because I love the varnished wonder. But Reese Webb, you can see the ability is still there, but he looks about three weeks off preseason pace. Yeah, yes. he looks like a man that hasn't everybody. played a lot of rugby. Let's be honest. Moving on to good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, good, obviously, uh, is Nick, best player in the world, TM, <laughs> Tompkins. Um, as Welsh as the day long. Saying, yeah, look, I'm just saying this to be a cunt. But let me have this. Yeah. When England brought on pointless lump of gristle Ollie Devoto in the last 15 <laughs> minutes to inject some spark into that back line, while a player that he'd never even given the hint of a training camp spot to had basically carved up test rugby on his <laughs> debut fucking 24 against hours. Against that Italian team, I would against that, to point against out. Against that Italian team, but still... Do you think that that was the moment that Eddie Jones sort of conclusively demonstrated that he doesn't have a fucking clue what to do with the back line? I think because even I... against Italy, Oli Devoto would not have done that into outstep. <sighs> or any of those passes that he did. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he does look that. Yeah, it is against Italy who will make anybody look good. But he does look the part, doesn't he? He just looks. Players. He looked. The thing that I liked about him was that he looked an absolute fucking headless chicken for five minutes when he came on in the first half. <laughs> he was like, put himself together, man. Missed about three tackles and was all over the place. And then he sort of had a moment where the, the, he sort of got up to the game speed, sort of suddenly kind of clicked in his head. And he was like, oh, oh okay. This is just like normal rugby, just a bit faster. When you're watching week in, week out, though, he is he is a kind of seven, eight out of ten player every week. Yeah, and if every he can, week. If he can bring that into the international arena then. Oh, he's going to be very good. And he looks up to the sky to thank his grand from... Yeah, it was lovely, wasn't it? To, to thank Gavin his mamgy like from, uh, from, yeah. from Wrexham. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't, know what, don't know what Gav's got to be in his bonnet about that. I know, but... yeah, then Gavin Edson got... <laughs> got fucking arsey Maybe about it. Still it's like, Gav, if you want to fucking throw stones at people fucking about their international and their career choices. Maybe it shouldn't come from you, the man who wasted the prime years of his career appearing on The Fucking Bachelor. <laughs> yes. Calm down, And that mate. one where he had, like, lab rat tested on him. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'd want to be spending my prime of my fucking international career doing. I don't know about you. Good, good. There's lots and lots and lots of people suggested the Thomas Williams one-handed dancing ball take, that. which was yeah. great. But actually, which... I'm just saying Thomas Williams full stop. Yeah, he's a hell of a player, isn't he? And I'd, I'd never just... noticed until this week 
that he is he can kick off both feet. Yeah, he can. He's unbelievably. He's you know. I think I've been saying on this podcast he is the most talented scrum half in Wales. He's the best scrum half in Wales, and he's clearly a bit of a prick, which is yeah. absolutely. He's essential. very very comfortable with his ability, isn't he? I think is a nice way of putting it. He's very really... comfortable with his ability. Yeah. he's happy to show you it. Absolutely, he is, and he's you know, and he'll try things. You know, he very nearly got a try from being a bit of a chancer. You know, and if the ball he'd been about six inches taller, he would have. But it's, yeah, it's fun to see a player as talented as that sort of blossom into the test game in the way that he has. And uh, he's going to be very, very good. Any good from you? Uh, that fucking try line to try line <laughs> Boutier touch finder, honestly. Let me take you back a step. Boutier <laughs> generally, honestly, was genuinely fucking put- brilliant. Unbelievably good. Was playing fucking second tier rugby last season and did that. Massive, unbelievably comfortable with the high ball. He was just great. He was <laughs> he very like, good, but that he kick like was an, something. He else. looked like an absolutely textbook French fullback, didn't yep. he? Every inch of the part, and then he did that, and it's just like that's still going. That's still going. <laughs> that ball's still going. Fuck me, that's still going. One of the ELVs, of course, that would be a French line-out as well. <laughs> it would have, yeah. But when was the last time you saw somebody put a kick in of that length and accuracy that wasn't on the fucking high belt? Oh, it was unbelievable. Yeah. He really caught it quite well. Didn't he? <laughs> he caught that flush on the laces, as they say. Yeah. I've, what pissed me off about it, though, was like people was then those sort of like the anti-that kick movement came in what? where people going oh it's just a torpedo kick the problem is that nobody does them anymore so people are unduly impressed by it like that was not any torpedo kick that was a torpedo kick from the gods I visibly and clearly remember to- the torpedo kick period and you didn't yeah. see them very often you did not see them very often indeed and then there was somebody that who was going I don't see what the fuss is about goalkeepers in football do this all the time <laughs> like, I mean where do you start with that but if you can't enjoy that, I don't know what you're doing. Honestly, what's you, you're doing life wrong if you're hey, not look, enjoying that. If anybody can find some misery in anything, it's me and Josh. Hello. But I'm telling you. Yes. But I'm telling you. If you're not enjoying that, I don't know what you I don't know what you're doing. But also, also if you're not enjoying Charles Olivon, I don't know what's wrong with you either. <laughs> we've been a we've been a, a big supporter of Mr. Olivon. We're not these Johnny come lately fucking oh, I've just noticed he's good. We've been a big supporter of this man for about twelve months. I'd forgotten. I hadn't quite realised, right? Because, I've, as I said, he's got the stench of Olivier Manier about him. Absolutely, he does. So I kind of forgot that he's like Olivier Manier, but massive. But massive and quick. I mean, Olivier yeah. Manier wasn't small, but he's fucking no. massive. He's huge and very quick. Oh, oh, he covers the... He's like Pierre Spice, but 5,000 times better. <laughs> He's got that sort of thing that I I love to see with a, an open side flanker in that he he just covers the ground, doesn't he? Like yeah. he opens up those legs and he you know he's 6 foot 6 and a half. God. He is fucking gigantic. But when he opens up his legs, he is rapido. In his interview his legs are about Sean Edwards, 7 miles long. <laughs> Sean Edwards was saying in his interview that the he said, "I was in my first session. I was incredibly surprised how fast the forwards are. A lot of them are as yeah. pacey as some of the inside backs we've got." He said, "They are rapid." <laughs> that doesn't bode well for anybody else, does, does it? Doesn't it? Not? To be honest, 
Yeah. And there was a bit of luck about one of his tries, obviously, but Absolutely. even so, well, that shadowing run that he... Well, that run that fucking DuPont put in, man, where he danced, just uh-huh. danced his way through. Uh-huh. What the, I don't know what he danced his way through. It's like he went through a solid <laughs> object everyone. somehow. Yeah. He teleported through about three people and then just popped it to Olivon. Yeah. And yeah, when he opens his legs well, up... Sorry? Yes. Throw fucking Gregory Aldridge in there as well. Fucking... Now, I was going to mention this before, but we moved on. He was the perfect example of what you do when your scrum's not going well when you're eight. Yeah, fucking get it out. Compare that to fucking Tom <laughs> yeah. Curry. Yeah. I'm going to pick the ball up and I'm going to run full pelt, green head, <laughs> green headgear first, straight at you. Yeah. Yes. Well, they've got effectively got three number eights, France, and England have yeah. none. How's that going yeah. for you? <laughs> But there's just like I honestly felt I was looking at that French team. I was thinking, there's so many really fucking fun young players in this French team now. Just unbelievable athletes, unbelievable fucking hmm. specimens. And it's just like, yeah, fucking crack on, lads. And don't this forget they lost Damien Penno about six hours out from kickoff. So yeah, and he... somehow Rates was all right. Kel surprise. Yeah. It was more than all right. But anyway, let's, let's move on. <laughs> James Gork, Roger gets in touch. He says, good. His eyes. I don't think anyone's mentioned it. He said, but the Women's Six Nations game between France and England was the best game oh, of the weekend. Fantastic game. England scrum yeah. utterly obliterated in the second half. It still might hold on to the win. I got asked to do the match report for that as part of my work on The Guardian. But I said, it finishes at half two and I'm going to do the fucking minute by minute at three o'clock. So I said, no, I won't do it. I'm, I'm sorry. I said no now. But actually, yeah. I'm not because it had been so much for me to write up that I've, I've had a fuck, I've had a nightmare. So it's eventful to say the least, wasn't it? And fuck me, Emily Scarrett's good, isn't she? Oh, she's I very, mean, this could very, be a, very this good. This should be an absolute standing item. But it's not honestly, she's probably the best rugby player in the world. Pound, pound for, for pound, pound, she's probably the yeah. best rugby player in the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's just things she does that I just think nobody in it, in the male or the women's man's or yeah. women's game can do that. She's yeah. unbelievable. Adam Fletcher gets in touch on the Patreon messaging and he says, good is from, she said, he said, he said, I'm sending you this from the stands at Newlands. Jamie Roberts has turned up. He said, when the clock stopped, which was quite frequent due to the hurricanes, low high shithouse blows, Jamie was doing a lot of talking to the much younger Stormers lads, bringing his experience. He said, so day one at Newlands, the faithful are very happy with Jamie. As they should be, you know, he's a nice lad. And he's out there in the sun getting a bit of a payday. He must be loving life. Well, yeah, he gets to go and, and, and he gets to enjoy the South African summer. Exactly. For, uh, a couple of months and then come and then presumably go back to Wales or do whatever the fuck he wants. Good on him. Joel Gluth gets in touch. He says, good is Vincent Rattas's nose. He says, what a statement of intent for a rugby player that is. He says, sure, I have this great big target on my face. But you're not going to get a chance to hit it because I'm all <laughs> over the place. He was a thorn. That nose was a fucking thorn in England's side all game. Absolutely. Like, this is what I'm talking about, though, with this French team. It's just wherever you look, you're just like, yeah. Like, this guy is a bit of a fucking... But he looks like a fucking... He looks like a set of chopsticks or a pickaxe. Yeah. Man. And he was he, like, he just, every time he got the ball, he was just, great. And he was like, just up, nearly intercepted at least three times. It was like, oh, yeah. fuck me. You, you must, you must have <laughs> little fucking skinny shit. I'm like, get the fuck out of you. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but the thing is, like, with somebody like him, you just think, he's obviously fucking hot piss, right? Yeah. And that was like, what, his, you know, his 
under five, you know, under five caps he's probably got. Yeah, he looks about Something nine like stone that. wet through. He's not, obviously, yeah. but he's just... But he's 27 years old, man. He's God, older yeah. than Teddy Tomar. He's older than fucking... Uh... Oh, Everybody else. <laughs> Wait, he's older than... Vak- he's, old- he's the same age as Vakatawa. He's older than Fiku. Isn't the oldest person in the squad, LaRue, and he's 30? Uh, yeah, LaRue is the oldest person in the squad, and he's 30. But yeah, you know... What the fuck has Rata's been doing for the last seven years that he hasn't got a shot of... He's got five caps. People obviously you know? said that 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 nose can't play international rugby, Vincent. You yeah. need to sort I mean, it out. But, you know, Boutier's got more of an excuse. He's 27 as well. Boutier's got more of an excuse because he's been playing in the you know second division. And he's obviously a late bloomer. But, like, you, it does make you fucking... absolutely makes you ask a lot of questions about what the fuck has been going on in the French rugby that these clearly it, very good players have added been to the list. <laughs> yeah. <added laughs> the what the fuck was going on for the past 10 years list with uh, France. Yeah. yeah. What else have we got here? Good. Under the Frog gets in touch and says, good was Rory Sutherland taming the world's best tight head and Fagerson doing a bang up job on the other side. Yeah, that was pretty positive. Yeah. Very positive indeed. Owen Glindua gets in touch. He says, good, it's France, and specifically Monsieur Sean Edwards, who, despite not speaking the language, has taken exactly two months to beat the batshit crazy out of them, installed a defensive mindset, and I genuinely now think that 2023 will be the year of the big red cock. I'm into it. I, I thought Sean I, did speak a bit of French. No, he has, yeah. Well, he doesn't speak. Okay. He says he does his rugby communication in French. Whatever that means. <laughs> he knows about five words. Again, in his interview, there was some, there was some, he was mic'd up doing some training, and you could hear him saying, like, sank and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> what is the French for line speed? <laughs> what is the French for get off your ass and fucking work? <laughs> uh, Tom Gorman gets his touch. He says, good. It was some of the Haguaras tries versus the Lions had the lot. Beautifully timed passes, running lines, Moroni stepping, swerving and dumbing his way to a brace. In those jerseys as well, it was absolutely gorgeous. Yes. Yeah. Dave McGee gets in touch. He says, good. It was Guile Fiku. Yeah. Yeah. Ring the fucking play. bells. Yeah. And, and his best game like for defense. France, says Dave McGee. Yeah. Can't disagree. And he's, defense, he's been made defensive captain there. Reveling in that, I think. There is it, something about. Is uh, yeah. Jamie Roberts. But and actually, there's something the about people like He's one of those people who needs a role. I think you're right. Yeah. He needs that. He needs that responsibility and that. Something you know, knowing that he's got a thing that he needs to do, and he's doing it very well. Got to give it to him. Finally, Elliot F says, "Good is my wife's reaction to that Ben Young's pass." She said, "What does he think this is? A World Cup final?" This <laughs> <laughs> is very good. Yeah. Did you have any final uh, goods uh, before we bring this epic, epic podcast to an I mean, end? This has gone. I feel like I just like to say Lee Halfpenny again. Yes. Because Yes. Lee Halfpenny as an attacking force was back with a fucking bang on the weekend. Uh, it was really nice to see. Finn. Yes. Right, so there you go. Nearly two hours. Jesus. You can tell we're excited about the Six Nations, can't you? Yeah. Woof, woof. And so are you, clearly, because we so had loads you. of fucking shit guns. The amount of week. shit guts we had, honestly, God, I think it was a world record. So, it felt um, like it, didn't it? It felt like it. So thank you very much, everybody. Thank you for Indeed. listening. We'll see you all next week for the second instalment of the Six Nations before the break. Oh, yes. Take care, everybody. Goodbye. See ya. If you have a TV, you must have a TV license. It's the law. 
Inspectors are calling to unlicensed homes and businesses. If you don't, that can mean prosecution and a fine of up to €1,000. Get yours at tvlicense.ie or any post office. Brought to you by the Government of Ireland. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.